This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program. Don't forget tonight, Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey, we have the Toronto Bay Police facing off against the San Jose Sharks. 7 o'clock Eastern is your start time there. Pre-game at 6.30. Watch that on Sportsnet. You can watch the Oilers and the Blackhawks at 9.30 Eastern on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet West. And also at 7, it is the Ottawa Senators facing off against the New York. There is trouble. Will Robinson, trouble. Rangers. Uh, here to break it all down for us, Vince Mercogliano of Lohud. Uh, Vince, how are you today? Thanks, Balf. Thanks for being here. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm well. Okay, so 23 games in, this was not the plan. This was not uh, the script. Uh, this was supposed to be a Rangers team that was in the mix for tops in the division, not on the wild card side looking in. Uh, we'll drill down on Yosha Shirk and Halak and... Um, everybody else, and Vitaly Kratsov. But in, in wide-brush terms, can you explain what's happened so far this season? Ooh, that, that, there's a lot of layers to that question. I would say that this is a team that is yet to really fully find its identity through 23 games of the season. Last year, at this point, you could argue, especially when you look at some of the analytics, that there's, the Rangers are actually better in a lot of categories this season. But we know that the yep. biggest key for them to go on the run that they went on was Igor Shesterkin having an historic season. And I think what we're seeing right now is Igor has had some ups and downs. I don't want to paint the picture that he's been bad. I think he's been solid in a lot of games. I think he's had some good games. He's had some other games, especially the last two where he felt like he let the team down. But when Igor isn't at that superhuman level that we saw last season, the question is becoming how good are the Rangers when they don't have that top, top notch goaltending. And what we're seeing is when they don't have that, a lot of the blemishes on this roster come to the forefront. Their five on five scoring has not been good enough. That's been a real issue for this team through the first quarter of the season. They recently have been juggling line combinations pretty much every game. They're still searching for the right mix there. I think when you look at this forward group, their top nine is at least one piece short. You could argue two pieces short. So the depth that they had last year has not carried over because you look at the team that went on that run in the playoffs, four of the forwards from that roster from the every night lineup are not here. Ryan Strom is gone, Frank Vetrano is gone, Andrew Kopp is gone, and Tyler Mott is gone. The only new guy they brought in was Vincent Trocek. The idea was that a lot of the young kids, Lafreniere and Kako and Hedl and Kratzoff, would step up and fill those voids, but that has not come to fruition yet. And the Rangers, in a lot of instances, I think, have been a little too hesitant to kind of take the leash off, take the training wheels off those guys and let them roll. So there's been this hesitancy, there's been this indecision throughout the lineup, and I think it's come back to hurt them. And then another glaring issue for this team is they have had a real problem with turnovers. They they seem to be making these cross-ice passes, especially in transition, through the neutral zone. And you saw a, a fast and skilled team like the Devils the other night made them pay for that. So they've been giving up a lot of odd man rushes. I know that's a thing that they've been focusing on in practice quite a bit. And the problem is when you're giving up those turnovers that lead to odd man rushes and your goalie isn't standing on his head like he did last year, then all of a sudden you're giving up a lot of goals and you're fighting to play from behind all the time. 
Let me. Uh, I want to get to surrendering leads here in a couple of second, but seconds. But let me let me circle back to Shishterkin here because, like, I, I, I'm with you. Like, this guy covered up tons of blemishes, specifically early on for the New York Rangers. Like, they the Shishterkin gave the Rangers every chance to to find their footing, and and keep the door open for the for the playoffs when they. You know, I, I come close. I, I come shy of saying f- didn't deserve it because as Kelly Rudy always tells me, Jeff, don't apologize for having a great goaltender. Goaltender is part of the team, uh, and if he's keeping yeah, you alive, yeah. that's fine. He's still part of the team. So uh, I get all that, but w- we've seen this before. Like there was a, there was what what was it, Vince? Like two weeks where Shashurkin's game just kind of vanished, and he took it all on himself, much like he did against after that New Jersey Devils game. And you know, took the whole thing. Every goal was bad. I have to, t- I have to save all. So this isn't new. Like we've seen him react this way. I don't necessarily know that it's great. Like I, uh, I like my goaltenders to be more even keel. The highs aren't too high. The lows aren't too low. Like he really internalizes a bad goal or internalizes a a really bad game. Uh, when you saw the reaction after the Devils game by Shishterkin, what went through your head? Because it, it, I mean, it's pretty obvious to anyone, you know, the worst critic for Igor Shishterkin lives in his mirror, and we saw that after the Devils game. Yeah, that was, for me, the most dejected that I've seen him after a game in my time covering him since he came up as a rookie a few years ago. And in some ways, I think he was too hard on himself. He came out and said that he was ashamed. He used some language that I can't repeat yeah. on the air right now, but he was he was really, really harsh evaluating his own game, and, and he knows it. He knows that, that he was such an important cog for this team last year and that one of the main reasons that they went on the run that they did, or the main reason, was, was him, and I think he's feeling the weight of that right now. You do question, is he putting too much pressure on himself? Because I can even tell you, at practice yesterday, he gave up a goal in a drill and turned around and slammed his stick on the crossbar. So the frustration is showing from him right now for sure. It's up to him to, to find a way to get past it. But I, I do think that you know it's hard for me to point the finger solely at him when there's so many other things going wrong with the team. And you do feel like he's shown enough, not just last season, but even prior to that, that, that he is one of the better goalies in the world and you do have faith that he's going to bounce back like he's not one of my biggest concerns with this team right now but i do think that him coming back down to earth a little bit explains where the rangers are at in the in the standings right now you know can one of the solutions here and listen i i know he's uh you, you know you write about this in, in your latest piece at lohad um i know he's sort of come clean on yeah i didn't handle things great the last time around specifically going um, back to Russia without without the team's blessing. But can one of the solutions here be Vitaly Kratsov? Like, does the coach have enough faith to put him in a position where he might be able to make a difference? I mean, this is a former first-round draft pick, someone that's not, you know, bereft of skill. I know he's ran afoul of the organization a couple of times, found his name in trade rumors here and there. But can Kratsov actually be part of the solution to getting this team out of the funk that they're in? Well, they need to find out, Jeff. That that's the underlying or that's the overwhelming message here. Gallant, to your point, I don't think has shown much faith in him. I, I think based on his actions, he's soured on the notion of playing him in the lineup because he did deal with injuries earlier in the season. He came into training camp and right off the bat they had him playing on that second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. So it looked like 
after all the turmoil with the with him in the organization the last few years, they were going to give him a real shot to succeed this season. He got hurt a couple times. He ended up needing to come out for a game or two because he he had to have some kind of emergency dental procedure. But with all that being said, he was cleared to play six games ago, and they've made him a healthy scratch now six games in a row. He's missed eight games in a row, and it kind of makes you scratch your head. Like, if you're not going to find out what you have in this guy now, when are you going to give him a chance, especially considering the struggles of the team and especially considering the five-on-five offense uh, issues that we talked about? They've only won four of their last 12, so I think it's overdue that he gets a shot in the lineup. I got a chance actually yesterday after practice to sit with him, just him and I at his locker for a while, and just I wanted to get a feel for where his head was at because – He's been saying the right things. He seems that he's being patient. But you know that there has to be some frustration on his part because he's ready to play and they're, and they're not putting him in. So it, one thing that stood out to me from our conversation yesterday was I asked him if anything has been communicated to him from the coaching staff as far as why he's not playing. And he said nobody's told him anything. Now, that's a little bit of a red flag to me. I, I feel like they're playing with fire yeah. given the ups and downs that they've had with him in the past. But with all that being said, all indications that I'm seeing and hearing right now is that he will play tonight in Ottawa. So they'll maybe give him a chance for a fresh start here, but it's puzzling that it's taken this long for them to get him back in the lineup. Okay. So then the follow-up to that is the obvious one. If Kratsov goes in, who comes out? Well, I, I think the answer is going to be Ryan Carpenter. And, and I think that's the right answer. You know, Carpenter, as a fourth-line center, is solid. He's definitely been good for them on face-offs, which was an area that they were concerned about going into the season. He kills penalties. He does some of those, those little things that a, a coach like Gallant wants from his bottom six guys. But you have Barclay Gaudreau, who's been playing on your third line and, quite frankly, hasn't been very effective. You know that he's capable of playing center and dropping him down to the fourth line has worked for them in the past. So I think moving Goudreau down to to center the fourth line and dropping Ryan Carpenter out of the lineup is the right move. And it seems that that that's the direction that they're leaning. And then Kratzoff would play on that third line with Alexi Lafreniere and Vincent Trocek. The question for tonight, though, Trocek did not practice yesterday. The Rangers said it was for maintenance reasons, but now they're calling him a game-time decision for tonight. So if Trocek can play, I think Carpenter comes out. But if Trocek can't play, then Carpenter stays in the lineup and Kratzoff comes in. So that kind of would solve that problem for them. So we started the conversation by talking about Igor Shosturkin. Um, you know, we know that Yaroslav Halak hasn't exactly, you know, channeled the ghost of Terry Sachek here. But nonetheless, do we expect him tonight for the Rangers as maybe they give Shosturkin a little time off? Yes, that is what it looks like to me. I think it might be a little bit of a mental break for Igor because of all the losing lately. They, they've ridden him pretty hard. He's played a lot so far this season, and the frustration clearly came to a head after that game against the Devils the other night. So I asked Gerard Gallant that question yesterday. Do you think he needs some days here to kind of regroup? He didn't really want to directly answer the question, but the impression I got was that, yes, Halak will play against Ottawa. And then the Rangers have back-to-back games coming up this weekend, Friday, Saturday. So I think you'll see Igor in one of them, Halak in the other. So I think it's possible in the next week you might only see Igor play one game. And that will, they hope, I think, be a chance for him to maybe regroup and settle down and, and, and get back in his groove. 
Um, on this team, we'll, we'll end on this one. Uh, either positive or negative. Uh, who surprised you the most? Has there been one or two players that have really jumped out for you, either positively or, or negatively, in this first 23 games for the Rangers? On the positive side, I would say Adam Fox. I think he's been their best player. A lot of their, their big-name forwards, like Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider, those guys have not been as productive as they were last year, and that's really hurt this team. But Fox has been the one constant. I, I think he leads the team, I'm pretty sure, in five-on-five points. He's been really, really solid defensively. They're playing him heavy minutes. He played over 30 minutes in that game against Jersey the other night. So Fox, to me, belongs back in that you know top five voting for the Norris Trophy as of right now. Uh, on the negative side, I would say this, and this really stood out to me, I think, especially watching the Devils the other night. The, the Devils have uh, the, same, the same amount of players on their roster, I wrote this the other day, as the Rangers, who are 25 years or younger. Both teams have 11 players on their roster who are age 25 or younger. The Devils have three guys in that range among their forwards who have scored 25 points or more this season. Among the Rangers' young forwards, the highest point total is 11 from Philip Heedle. So the Rangers, you look at the Devils and how much they've been surging and rolling. Last season, they took their lumps. They obviously had their struggles, but they let those young guys play heavy minutes. They put them on their top power play. They put them in their top six. And now, and now they're reaping the benefits of that. The Rangers, on the other hand, have been hesitant to really give their kids big-time responsibility. They've mostly played in the bottom six. They haven't gotten on the top power play unit. And now what you see is sort of this crisis of confidence where the kids are being bounced all over the lineup. They're not being as productive as the Rangers need them to be to succeed. And it's kind of put the Rangers in, in this rut that they're in right now on top of their, their star guys not performing well. So you add all that up, and I think that that is, to me, something that's becoming more prevalent on my mind. And you look right across the Hudson River here in the tri-state area and the Devils, they let their kids roll, and now it's really working out for them. So I wonder if the Rangers need to give more consideration. Even though they've got high-paid guys like Panarin and Zibanejad and Kreider, do you need to give your kids more responsibility and, and see if they're going to sink or swim? Because they need to find out sooner than later. Look like they started two last season. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, 30 seconds on this one. Are you a Pat Kane to the Rangers guy come trade deadline? I think that they clearly need a, a forward who can score. So Kane is definitely going to be on that list. I do think they're going to explore a lot of different options. And I think that the trade that they made last week with the Minnesota Wild to send Ryan Reeves over there and clear that cap space, which now puts them on pace for about $6.5 through the accrual process by the time they get to the deadline, that was massive for them. So they are going to be an active, unless they absolutely fall off a cliff in the next month or two, they're going to be an active team at the deadline, and I think a scoring forward is at the top of their list. So, yes, I think Kane will be on that list, but I think there's going to be a lot of, a lot of names you hear floated in the next few months. Excellent analysis as always. Vince, thanks so much for this. Enjoy the game tonight, the Rangers and the Ottawa Senators. Thanks, pal. Yep, thanks for having me, Jeff. There he is, uh, Vince Mercogliano covers the New York Rangers. Tonight they'll face off against the Ottawa Senators. You can watch that one tonight on Sportsnet 1. Uh, also at 7 o'clock, Sharks and the Maple Leafs on Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. Later game at 9.30 Eastern on 360 and West. The Edmonton Oilers taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. Sabres uh, also facing off against the Detroit Red Wings. It is a four-game night 
uh, around the NHL. All right, quick break. Hit a pause here on the program. When we come back, it is MVSW Wednesdays. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. We'll talk about Ovi. We'll talk about that Seattle and LA game. We'll talk about Arizona. Lots to get to. Stick with me. One more hour here. Glad you're aboard. Merrick Show continues. Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on Sportsnet 360 and Sportsnet Now. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, we're back. Quick uh, five minutes here to wrap things up. And a uh, big thank you to all of, all of our guests, whether it's uh, Elliot Friedman or Vince Mercogliano or you just heard from Greg Wyshynski. Thank you, thank you, thank you. As we bring over Matt Marchese, our producer here. So how much were you shaking your head, Matty, at that last, conver- uh, that, that, that last conversation <clears throat> about goalies not well, being able to smother the puck? It's funny that you mentioned that because the first thing that I said to myself was, Oh, this is such American Wyshynski conversation. <laughs> like, 100%, legitimately. It's 100%. It, it, and, oh. and what, I mean, listen, here's what I will say about your, your hockey brain, Jeff. You are, you do come Stupid. up with different ideas. But you know what, though? It, it makes people think. And I'm not trying to toot your own horn because I don't want to do that. Yeah. But it does make people think about different ways to improve the game. And I, I don't hate it. I mean, uh, they're never going to have a rule where you can't smother a puck. But maybe there's something that is in line with that. I think there will be some type of league. I don't even know whether it would be uh, ice hockey or it might be, you know, roller hockey, for example. Um, but I, I think, you know, as the game continues to evolve and flow becomes more important and the speed of the game, like getting a game over, you know, quickly and not, you know, having even, you know, once upon a time games were basically you know, three hours and they've done a really good job, the NHL has, in getting it down to a more manageable, you know, 220 to 230. Like the, the one thing that the league is now, we, we never really talk about this uh, much, if at all, is how the NHL has over the past however many years, 20 years, um, really made uh, the game, really ended games quicker than ever before, right? Like the the stoppages aren't as long. Like there, there was a time where games would be, you know, between 245 and 3. And now that sweet spot is around 220. I think that's where the NHL is is comfortable with as far as like this is the product we're presenting and this is how long it's going to take. And, you know, this idea just moves it up that much quicker because there's just less face-offs you have to have unless someone and, scores or shoots the puck out of play or you, you're starting a period. You're only face-offs. And, and not only that, I think the – the the decrease in fighting and taking care of all that kind of stuff is also kind of limited that actually speaking of fighting i have to give you credit for something jeff i have to give you credit because before the season started you said november 29th the philadelphia flyers take on the new york islanders (laughs) and you called fight night between those two teams and it didn't take them very long last night uh, was it seven seconds for uh for McEwen to throw down with Matt Martin, and then right away after that it was you know the the boss Ross Johnson facing off against Nick Delorier. 
Listen, that go, that goes back to the preseason and then goes to what we saw on the weekend as well between the between the two teams. But that was like some old school New York Islanders, Philadelphia Flyers. I mean, the big story coming out of all of that was a the Flyers ended their ten game losing streak. Their third and was it the third in two years. Um, and also Kevin Hayes, who's now all of a sudden a right winger, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, um, had a great night with a with a couple of goals, and that one right off the faceoff was just gorgeous. But that had some of that old school, early '80s Islanders versus Philadelphia Flyers, right? Whether it was you know Bob Nystrom or Clark Gillies or Gary Howitt facing off against you know uh, Dave Schultz and Don Seleski and Dog and Dupont and all these guys, like yeah, there was an element of that and. Listen, that's what, you know, as, as, as much as you want to say things about John Tortorella, one thing he's been consistent about is he's going to promote with this Flyers team an old school toughness vibe about it that is going to be their identity. And as he mentioned the other day, you know, when teams run up scores and keep putting out PP1, nothing you can do about it now. But as Tortorella pointed out the other day, you know, he's he's got the names. He's got the names on his hate list. And that's like old school, man. That's like, hey, something you did two years ago, I'm getting mine two years later. So whatever you want about John Tortorella. But he's been consistent with that. Like, that is what he wants the Flyers to get back to doing. And, you know, despite what many people may think, I think, Maddie, he's really comfortable wheeling out the kids in this situation as well. I think that he feels safe doing it because there's that, you know, McEwen, Delorier, you know, Nick Sealer, you know, security blanket. He can, he can wrap all these kids around. And really, again, here's again what I will that's say. super old school mentality, old school mentality. Sure. Yeah. Here, here, here's what I'll say about all of this. Um, some people may call that petty on John Tortorella's part. I call it wonderful. What do we talk about? The game needs more hate. And I like how petty John Tortorella is about that kind yeah. of stuff. Because bring all the hate, baby. You know, Ken Reed last night with uh, Ivanka Osmak on the uh, on, on Central said it best. Ken, he goes, as someone born in 1974, I love this game. <laughs> Not untrue, Ken Reed. Not untrue. Again, thanks to all of our guests. Greg Wyshynski, Vince McCogliano, and Elliot Friedman. Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey tonight. 6.30 Eastern is the pregame. 7 o'clock, the puck drops. It is the San Jose Sharks and the Toronto Maple Leafs, where the Maple Leafs will honor the late, great Borea Salming before the game. Thanks so much for joining me today. Back tomorrow for more of this program. By the way, only a one-hour show tomorrow from 1 to 2 Eastern. We'll join you then.